Hello everyone, my name is Harpreet, and welcome to the first episode of Expand Your Mind. The goal of this podcast is just to bring some clarity to individuals on topics they might not have the best knowledge about, and just bring more awareness to people who are in their bubble. In the first installment of this podcast, I want to talk about something that everyone who has attended Marion University during the fall semester of 2020 may or may not know, that there was an event that imitated the Berlin Wall and the falling of that. There was quite an uproar against and for it. I want to address about why something like this could affect individuals who are marginalized and why this was culturally insensitive. To put yourself into a, another person's shoes, per se. But before I that, I wish to put my point of view out there so you can see where I'm coming from. I believe that a lot of people don't see their privilege and do things that are unnecessary just because there's more voices that are democratic, liberal, conservative doesn't mean that you're being oppressed. It doesn't mean that you have the same experiences as me. It doesn't mean that your voice is being cut out. People are mo- more vocal against the opposite party. Why? Because the American people have found their voice and decided that they can put their opinion out there. They just, they deserve to because we don't want to live in a world that is terrified police officers. We don't want to live in a world where we get attacked for shopping. And we definitely don't want to live in a world where we're scared and terrified to start an uproar. Now you must be thinking that this isn't really anything related to these topics, but do you know anything about the Berlin Wall? Well, the Berlin Wall was erected post-World War II of West Germany. This part of Germany was divided into four sectors within the Allied powers, the US, UK, France, and the Soviet Union. The capital of Berlin, as the seat of the Allied Control Council, was similarly subdivided into four sectors, despite the city's location, which was fully within the Soviet zone. The main reason for the wall was for Western facets from entering East Germany and undermining the socialist state, but it primarily served the objective of stemming mass defections from East to West. But even before the wall existed, there was other tensions that led up to the wall. According to the History Channel, in 1948, a Soviet blockade of West Berlin aimed to starve the Western allies out of the city. Instead of retreating, however, the United States and its allies supplied their sectors of the city from the air. This effort, what known as the Berlin Airlift, lasted for more than a year and it delivered more than 2.3 million tons of food, fuel, and other goods to West Berlin. The Soviets called off the blockade in 1949. You would think that this was the end of conflicts between the Allied forces and both parts of Germany's could peacefully interact with one another and keep peace. But in 1958, tensions were introduced to the Germans again. Since many refugees from the Soviet side of Germany were fleeing to the western side, Soviets were embarrassed by this news, thus creating the wall to stop people crossing the border. This created a disturbance between the Berliners because prior to the wall, they were able to freely go across for work, food, and entertainment. But with the wall and its three checkpoints, it was impossible to resume their daily lives. In all, at least 171 people were killed trying to get over, under, or around the Berlin Wall. Escape from East Germany was not impossible, however. 
From 1961 until the wall came down in 1998, there were more than 5,000 Germans who were able to cross using dangerous methods. After learning this history, my question is that, are we the West Germans that were starved due to the Cold War and unable to pursue daily lives? Were the people who approved this event aware of the troubles and near-death experiences that the Berliners and in general the Germans experienced? Do they have the right to compare their thinking that they have no rights in America to the Germans that were in the Cold War suffering? To answer some of these questions, I had gone ahead and had a conversation with Julia Acre, who was a part of Making the Wall and is a multimedia editor at Marion Phoenix, and Jalen Edwards, who is a member of UBI and was the president of MU Alliance. Firstly, I had asked Julia Acre about the Berlin Wall and what it was representing for YAF and what exactly it was about. Julia said that this was part of something YAF, which stands for Young Americans for Freedom, does for Freedom Week. It's about signifying the freedom of speech. YAF is actually a nationwide corporation, if you didn't know. And this is an event that's been going on for years across America. The whole point of tearing down the wall was to signify the freedoms won when the Berlin Wall was torn down. So basically comparing freedom of speech to the freedoms that the Berliners won when the Berlin Wall went down. Along with the freedom of speech, they were promoting safe space within the academic setting. Julia says in our interview that she wanted to create a space in the academic setting so people can essentially learn. Um, I also uh, want to mention that Julia said multiple times about creating dialogue so that people can learn from each other and quote, chip away at the bad ideas. To get another perspective, I talked to Jalen Edwards about the whole backlash, which mostly came from Emu Alliance and what was her whole part in the thing. Jalen was part of the budgeting committee for this event, so she had seen everything before anything was finalized, per se. Um, and she knew there was going to be backlash. Also, before the event even happened, when an alliance got to know about the wall, they were angry about the recreation of the Berlin Wall because Nora, who was a German exchange student here at Marion, had said that even though she really doesn't have like, you know, like deep, deep connections with the event, but she was very mad about it because she thought it was cultural appropriation or if you want to say cultural misrepresentation, but from her words, it was appropriation. So to understand Emily Alliance's take and why Nora was angry about this event, specifically, I talked to the current president of Emmy Alliance, Julia Santos. Julia said that Nora was a pretty active member of the Alliance, and when she got wind of the Berlin Wall event happening, she was very rightfully mad. Nora actually had talked to executive board members of YAF, even before talking to Alliance and Julian, but they had basically shrugged it off. After that happened, she had gone to Alliance and explained that recreating such a thing on American soil was misrepresentative and cultural appropriation. Based upon the allegations that Nora had put forth saying that this was cultural appropriation, I had asked the president of YAF, Trent Reichley, about the wall. Trent says that he doesn't really understand what cultural appropriation is, so I asked some people around me for some definitions for people 
who don't know what it is. But essentially, cultural appropriation is when you take something unique to a culture, steal it, and apply it to a different context. I also asked Julia Acre about, yeah, and why they use the wall specifically. And she hinted me towards the official YAF website. So I went on to the YAF website, which if you want to look yourself, which I highly encourage, is https colon forward slash forward slash students dot YAF, Y-A-F dot org slash initiatives slash freedom hyphen week slash. And I went onto this website to learn about Freedom Week. I'm going to read this section about the Berlin Wall and just what they're doing uh, word for word. And if you don't trust me, you really don't have to, but um, you can look it up yourself. But the first thing is there's a quote from Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, which says, To me, what socialism means is to guarantee a basic level of dignity. Then it goes on to say, the left is obsessed with socialism. Sadly, progressive ideas have led to the oppression and deaths of hundreds of millions around the world. Yet you can routinely find liberal faculty, students, the news media, and other leaders advocating for collectivism to be implemented in the United States. Enough. You can push back against the many advocates for misery for all by taking part in Freedom Week from November 8th to November 12th, 2021. This year will mark the 32nd anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall, which allows you to rally students to stand up to those who want to restrict freedom by giving power to the federal government. Advance freedom principles and educate your peers about the reality and danger of progressive social movements by tearing down the Berlin Wall on Tuesday, November 8th to observe the anniversary when millions were freed from government oppression. Then it goes on to talk about how to build your own wall and stuff like that. Uh, my first comment is that on the website, um, I don't know if they were supposed to put lead or lead. They put lead and I don't feel like that is the correct word in English to say. Like, where it says progressive ideas have lead to the, instead of led to the. I don't know, I'm not an English major, so some English major out there help me out. I have another question, which is, where did they get that quote from AOC? And within what context was she talking about socialism? When we're quoting people, right, for like whether that be MLK or Obama, we say what year it's from or usually say like where we got the quote from especially if you're like listing it off and like official like documents i would say a website is an official document because you're putting it out there for the world and that's really my question where did you get this quote from also like there are many countries on the side of socialism and they're thriving which for example one is china you might be thinking harpreet isn't china's bad well, if they're so bad, why are our companies all stationed there? And why do we give so much money to Chinese goods? America runs on China's cheap labor and resources, so you can't tell me that China isn't thriving. And moving on to the word collectivism, which according to Merriam-Webster, is political or economic theory advocating collective control, especially over production and distribution. Personally, I 
didn't really think of it as such a bad thing because you're coming together and finding a solution to a problem like kind of the Congress does. But I, I just want more explanation why that would be bad, I guess. Maybe I'm looking at it in a different light than some other people because a lot of Americans are seen as individualistic and see the government as intrusive rather than seeing it as people are the power of this nation and people power the government. And I'm pretty sure that line is somewhere written in the Constitution or in a lot of our documents of America, you know. And so based upon that, I really don't get why collectivism is the most horrible thing in the world. But coming back to the point, as you can see, nothing on there really specifically states why they have to use the image of the Berlin Wall. So to get more information why YAF chose the Berlin Wall, I asked Trent, who is the president of YAF, and he told me that it was mostly used for the symbolism of the freedoms won when the German citizen broke the wall. And since this was Freedom Week, they believed that putting those words that were quote-unquote un-American and breaking them down would be something that would give more freedom to the students in Mary University, including some certain words made even more of a clash between Alliance and YAV. And the main word was safe space. Safe space is closely tied to the people of the LGBTQIA+, and that kind of made more of an uproar. They didn't hear each other's side, they just saw safe space, and kind of Alliance just kind of went to the side and started protesting. I looked at previous interviews, as you know I stated before, and Julia was promoting brave spaces. So what is a brave space? You know, like how is it different from space, safe space? But it's the same thing, really, because brave spaces, I even asked Julia Santos what they are, and they're, it was basically where people could talk freely and put their opinions in place without being judged. If that's what brave spaces are, what's the difference, you know? And even Julian Santos agrees that they're the same thing and they try to communicate that with YAF members, but nobody was really listening intently. According to Julian, safe spaces are misrepresented in the way that if you aren't woke in that like setting, then you're gonna get attacked. But in reality, the history of safe spaces is that they're for the people who are marginalized and don't feel like they have a space to talk. It's a place to listen to each other and understand each other, essentially. I think that Nora, a person of Germany, felt uncomfortable and was not heard. If people were more willing to hear each other out, I feel like these misunderstandings and animosity wouldn't have happened. Neither sides hate each other, really, and I feel like this was just a mistake of not listening or comprehending each other. Even though town hall had been conducted to understand each other and maybe even to hear Nora out and why she felt uncomfortable, alas, that didn't happen because understandings have to happen with both parties present. In my opinion, this dialogue that everyone wants to create could have happened if people stopped thinking, oh, I'm the one that's right, and try to listen. And I'm not just saying hearing, I'm saying intently listen with your heart. Stop thinking that you're the only one in the world that's right. I know that COVID has become politicized and we're scared and like we think that we're all gonna be wrong in some way, which we are, we're human, but be wrong. It's okay. It's okay to learn. The only way you learn is to be wrong. In reality, that's what it is. And 
I just want everyone to remember that we're human. Humans make mistakes and we learn from them. That's how we're made. We're not robots. We all have emotions. And cancel culture, being across like screens all day, and that's diminished. I feel like the understanding of emotions, we need to step away and just have face-to-face conversations because behind the screen, you can cancel anyone you want, but face-to-face, it's different. We all see a human on the other side instead of a screen and just a block of plastic. As Ruth Rogers said, we can create this space for you to talk, but it's your responsibility to keep the dialogue running. Please try to listen and try to be, most importantly, empathetic. The goal of this podcast episode is not to call anyone out. It's for people to see both sides of the story and decide for yourselves what you should do. And why, basically, learn. I have my opinions in this podcast and hopefully a call to action for those who are interested in diminishing this animosity created by politics and cultural differences, I guess. I thank you for listening and please remember, expand your mind.